in uh, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, our, my, our time together today, as I said already, um, is, is tied to because uh, John was sick. So um, we collapsed both of the groups together and hopefully um, see what God has for us through our time together today. So let's uh, go ahead and look at into the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to um, look at uh, personality and his divine attributes. Um, in, in subsequent weeks, we're going to look at his, his, we may get into his works today also. Um, we're going to look at his representations, his role in revelation and inspiration, and his roles today. How is he actually working today? Um, the Holy Spirit is um, really that silent um, person of the Godhead. Uh, he is the one who is really always, almost always like behind the scenes. Um, you see God the Father front and center, you see the Son front and center, um, manifested, um, and yet you see the, the Spirit of God really um, behind the scenes and uh, kind of that silent pers- personality. And so, you know, we don't actually look into what the Spirit of God's role is in our life and, and how, how, is he, how, how does He manifest Himself today. And, and so m- my intent in our time together is really talk through uh, these things and 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 get a a, a found firm foundation as to um, what his what his role is in my life personally, and then how how can I lean fully into him in the midst of um, you know be it temptation or or be it my life in Christ. So um, let's take a look at uh, uh, this morning to and begin with with his personality, his personality. So uh, if you would. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Um, we're actually going to um, probably look at um, two elements of his personality, his intellect and his knowledge to begin with. His intellect and his knowledge. Um, when you talk about his personality, what, is, what do we mean by that? What, what, what is meant by personality? Anybody? Okay, his character, uh, kind of... What, what causes him to be a person, okay? What, what are the elements of who he is that cause, it, cause him to have personal, personal characteristics or traits? Yeah, uh, intellect and knowledge. Um, so when we turn to the scriptures, whoever gets there first gets the chance to just read out loud, if you would. So we'll just go for it. And uh, uh, so whoever's got that, just go ahead and read out loud, if you would. 10 and 11. God revealed them through the Spirit things. Okay, so uh, what are the things here that he's talking about that have been revealed here, according to the preceding verses? Things that God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, things that God has prepared for those who love him. Um, they are things that are divinely revealed um, and wouldn't have been known otherwise, because God revealed them through his spirit. He says the spirit of God does what? He searches all things, even the depths of God. What, what, do you, what does that mean? What does he mean by that? Kind of explains it a little bit better and a little bit more in 11, right? Anybody? Conditions. Okay. Trait. okay. Uh, Pardon me? Attributes. Attributes would be a good name for, for his, the, the elements or the components of his personality, yeah. Um, and, and in this situation, he knows and understands the attributes of God. He understands them clearly. So the, pers- the, the Spirit of God understands God and, 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 and His thoughts and um, how He thinks. 
Just in the same way as according to verse 11, what? The spirit of a man knows how a man thinketh uh, and, and how, he, how, he, how his thoughts are. Like, I can't explain to you, other than observation, what, what Dietmar's thinking, um, but yet his spirit knows what he's thinking his, uh, at, at all times. And so in the same way, the Spirit of God um, has an intellect that um, uh, searches out, um, kind of goes out and gathers um, all of God's, God's thoughts in total. Okay? Any comments on that? Yes. And, and he, it is the Spirit of God's person who searches out and interacts within the Godhead um, the the father is the decision maker. He is the one who um, who 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 determines and decides all things. And the spirit has the ability to be able to exercise his his person of the Godhead in a way that would uh, understand at all times what the, what God the Father is saying and what he what he what his decisions will be and are um, and what he thinks. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so he, he understands the mind of God and he searches all things. Understands the mind of God and he searches all things. Okay. Next is uh, he has a mind. He has a mind. Let's look at Romans eight, twenty six and twenty seven. Romans eight, twenty six and twenty seven. Anybody read that out loud? So it says, "He who searches the hearts." Who is that he here in verse twenty seven? Says the same he is the one. Uh, who knows the mind of the Spirit. So it would probably be another person. Okay? could be Jesus. Okay? So the he there who intercedes for the saints seems to refer back to the Spirit. Right? So we know for a fact from, um, uh, <clears throat> from verse 34 that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. Right? So who is this one who... Searches hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit. Then, yes, okay. God the Father, absolutely, absolutely. And so the Spirit who is in us, He says, um, God the Father um, searches all things and He knows the hearts and the mind and and of the Spirit. So if the Spirit knows the mind of the Father, we just determined the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. And since the Spirit is actively involved, according to verse 27, in, in a way that, and 26, that, quote, is like a cross-country pacer. You know, when, how many of you ran cross-country? Okay, when, when you were running, what, what was a pacer's role to do? If you fell back, he would keep you going in the right space, okay? And it says in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit helps. The word help is the idea of a pacer, they're a person who comes alongside and paces us and keeps us on the right direction and speed. And he says that in the process of doing that, um, the Spirit of God, because He's in us, um, understands our our challenges and, and that, and quote unquote, that we do not know how to pray as we should. I just find that fascinating. We don't know how to pray as we should, and He is the one who intercedes for us. He. The heat who intercedes there is the Holy Spirit who intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he is the one who, because the Father um, understands the mind of the Spirit, and the Spirit is in us and pacing us and 
um, going before the throne of God for us. Um, he, he is the one who hears the Spirit, and the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. So you have the Spirit of God interceding for us, and you have the Son of God, the, the, um, Jesus Christ, interceding on our behalf, both, both in, in different ways and means. Correct. The first he would be um, God the Father. Okay? So the Holy Spirit's mind is known by the Father and uh, is very clear to him as to uh, being able to um, read the mind of the Spirit on our behalf, so to speak, or uh, in of. Okay, uh, next is that he has emotions. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, verse 30. This was one of the key verses in, the last, in that whole context that we covered in our institute on t- Thursday night. Um, Ephesians 4, go ahead. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby he has sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay, so the um, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So, how does a person grieve somebody? Sinning? If I grieved you, it would be because of what? What did I do, probably? Okay, right? Grief has... High degree of, sin, of of disappointment, right? I mean, it's 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 disappointment on steroids, right? It's it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot of disappointment, right? Okay. Yeah. And so if you were to kick the bucket, that would grieve me. Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do a different thing for your intellect or your emotions. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. All of us in this room have poured our lives into somebody. Maybe our children, maybe our spouse, maybe somebody, right? And um, I mean, in this room, have, have personally experienced that didn't go right um, and were grieved as a result of that, that experience. Go ahead and raise your hands. Uh, absolutely. You know what it means to grieve. It's just this unbelievably hard, deep disappointment in the situation or the circumstance or the person. Absolutely. And that's how the Holy Spirit feels when we sin against Him. This grief here of the Holy Spirit is set in the context of chapter 4. And 4 has to do with the unity of the Spirit in the beginning of chapter 4. has everything here to do, just even in this very context, with the whole issue of lying to one another, the whole issue of being angry with one another in a, in, a, in a way that makes us sin it has everything to do with um, stealing from one another, verse 28. It has everything to do with um, giving the devil an opportunity or foothold in our life because of the decisions we make in our life. It has everything to do with um, having words come out of our mouth that according to James, like, hello, well, how did that come out of there, you know? It has everything to do with um, bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice and these kinds of things, just as a part of our lives. I, you know, we're talking about the respectable sins. You know, it's like not coming to grips with the holiness of God in our life and, and somehow running down the path that it, something else is, is okay to, to, to be a part of us. It's like, no, I grieve. Grieve. Emotions. Next one is his will. His will. Turn to uh, Acts 16.6. Acts 16.6. Passed through the 
Phrygian and Galatian regions, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. Do do seven and eight if you would too. And he passing by Mysia, they found the Troas. Okay. Um, the context here was Paul was being led by the Spirit through Asia Minor, as we know it, and according to verse. Nine, you remember when he saw the Macedonian man, like, calling him over to that area? He was being led by the Spirit. But before that, what we see here is what? He was being told by the Spirit of God, what? Don't stay here. This is not the time. And you ask yourself the question, what, what was that all about? Why not? Why there? But the Spirit of God knew what was going to take place. Turn with me over to Acts 19, um, verse 10. Acts 19, verse 10, what we see is Paul coming back through the same same direction here. And he says that he was, uh, he was speaking to uh, uh, disciples who were of John's baptism in the first part of chapter 19. And it says there were about 12 men in verse 7. And he, um, we see the Holy Spirit here falls upon, in the formation of the church, the um, uh, John's, John's uh, disciples. And um, they become saved. And uh, in chapter 19, it's, it's uh, Paul's in Ephesus here. And he, he takes these, these men, these 12 men in verse 9, and, uh, and, and he says, started reasoning with them, with them daily in the school of Tyrannius. Verse 10, and this took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard, what? Of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And, Paul was, and God was performing extraordinary miracles. All of you know by reading the, the Revelation that in chapters 2 and 3, it's, it's to what? Seven churches who are where? In Asia Minor. And do you know that God's timing is perfect? First time through, he says to Paul, don't stay here, it's not time. And go there. And then he comes back and he establishes over a two-year period what I believe to be literally the explosion of the gospel into through Ephesus into these seven churches in all, all of Asia Minor. And literally um, accomplishes, you know, uh, uh, the, the the catalyst, if you would, for these for this entire leadership community that was built coming out of uh, this two years of of sweat and tears in Asia in in in, in Ephesus. So um, you know he has a will and um, exercised it with in, in Paul's situation and with others. Okay, let's take a look. Uh, before we go on, 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 as to this intellect, he searches all things. Um, just quickly look at uh, Romans chapter 11, because the same, the same uh, ability to look at uh, into the mind of God um, is um, it just it explodes onto the onto the pages by Paul uh, at the end of this entire section, and he says in. Somebody will read verses 33 and uh, 34. Romans 11, 33 and 34. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, who was first given to him? Well, we already saw those same verses that, that said, who can do that? <laughs> the Spirit of God can do that, right? And what an amazing thing is that it says to, to mankind, you know, that 
Um, his ways are unsearchable. They're un, they have no ability to be able to like, trace them out or track them down or go through the, the, you know, the forest to find them, if you would. Um, they're, they're completely unsearchable and unknowable, unable to track through. But he says the Spirit of God knows that. You, you can write this down for a later time to take a look at it. I find it a fascinating passage, but it's Deuteronomy 29.29. Deuteronomy 29.29, he says um, that the secret things of God are not given to us. Um, He gives us certain things to know, but other things that aren't known. And what an amazing thing to know is that the Spirit of God who lives in us also knows, at the same time, those secret things um, also. Okay, his personality. Any comments or questions around that? Okay, let's move on then, if we can, to um, his divine attributes. Divine attributes. The first one we already looked at, um, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, is, is om, he's omniscient. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows God's mind, and if he knows God's mind, he is omniscient. Uh, the second one, let's look at Psalm 139, verse 7. Psalm 139, verse 7. I think this is one of, if I'm not mistaken, Tim, one of your most inf- uh, favorite psalms. Is that right? Yep. Um, would you read for us uh, verses 7 through 12? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your I sense you have been dwell in the remotest part of the sea. There your hand will lead. Right hand will lay hold. I say surely the darkness will overwhelm. Darkness is not dark. Amen. Amen. Where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? I don't hear any answers. <laughs> Well, the, the psalmist didn't hear any either. <laughs> it's like, hello, I'm waiting. I think there was a pregnant pause between that and the next verse. It's like, you know, it's like in Job, right? I can't hear you. <laughs> I think in the garden, you know, when, when Adam was supposed to answer God back, it was like, you know, it was like, let me wait, let me see, right? I mean, it's an important question. And the question is saying, I can go nowhere, from east to west, from light to dark, from uh, heaven to hell. Um, there is no place where um, I, can, I can go where you are not. Um, the idea in verse 7 is, uh, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? He's, his point is, as close as my soul and my spirit is to my body, and, and it's inextricably linked and connected, I can't undivide that. I can't separate that. So is God's Spirit. Wow. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, John 14, 17. Um, the Spirit of truth, whom both cannot receive, you. Okay. So he has taken up residence at this time in us, and uh, if he's in me, and he's in Stephen, and he's in Dave, and he's in Gary, and he's all around the world in believers, then he has to be omnipresent. Okay. Next is 1 John 5, uh, five 7. I switched these around. I put um, like the fifth one up a little bit to the third point here. Um, because, of, um, first, because of John 14, 17. He says here also in the same verse, he says uh, that he is what? The spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth, um, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold or know him. What, what I find fascinating just in that verse alone is 
the process of knowing God is the process of beholding God. The process of beholding God is where I get truth. That, that is just, to me, like, cool. <laughs> you know, I think about Paul in, 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 in Corinthians. He's like, you know, um, from, from experience of dwelling in his presence and beholding him to next experience of dwelling and beholding him, I am being changed as to who I am. And... Uh, what, a, what an awesome thing to, to, to think about. It's through truth that comes through that process of beholding God and, and dwelling presence. Okay. First uh, John 5, 6 talks, talks let's look at that one. First John 5, 6. Somebody got that one? He that came by water and blood, not by water alone, spirit that beareth witness. Okay, good. Spirit is the truth. The truth. Okay. Um, the next one here is that uh, has to do with omnipotent. It's Genesis one two and Job thirty three four. We're going to look at Job thirty three four, if you would. Um, let's look at Job thirty three four. Anybody? The spirit of God hath made me. Breath of the Almighty hath given. So the spirit of God. Um, we already know, according to John one, who else was involved in creation? Jesus Christ was involved in creation, right? And and Genesis one one says God <laughs> created God created right so God the Father was involved the, the, the He determined it the Son executed it and the Spirit uh, was there and 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 since that time quote glues it all together sustains it He is the one who keeps I mean if it wasn't for the Spirit of God the the molecules that we live in and everything else would just they disband. They wouldn't. They wouldn't connect. Keep connected. Um, the spirit of God keeps and glues and sustains all life, and and keeps it together. Um, so with that is his omnipotence, if you would. He says he gives me life, breath of the Almighty One. Okay, uh, Hebrews nine fourteen. Hebrews nine fourteen. Let's uh, look at uh, thirteen and fourteen. For as the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer. Sprinkling the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, serve the living God? Okay. Serve the living God, and then it talks about who through the eternal spirit. Does anybody have a different translation there? 14? Everybody says the eternal spirit? It's probably a better translation is his eternal spirit. Um... But his eternal spirit, um, uh, but, but the whole point here is that his spirit is, uh, dwells in eternity. He is not of time. He is outside time. And he, he, he has no beginning and he has no end. Uh, he is eternal. Okay. Next one here is uh, Luke 11.13. Luke 11.13. Okay. Since he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to children... How much more shall you heavenly Okay. So the context here is talking about the nature of, of who? Talking about prayer and pardon me? Yeah, the nature of a man, how how he's not going to do these things, right? Uh, in the context of the nature of who? God and God the Father, right, as being a father, equating father to father, right? Um, and uh, 
verse 9, you know, if you ask, it should be open. Seek, and you should knock. Knock, and it should be open to you. Okay. So then we get to verse 13. He's just like said, hello. It doesn't make sense that, you know, uh, fathers, natural fathers are going to give them something different than they asked for, does it? Verses 11 and 12. Verse 13. If then you being evil, how do know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So first of all, we see here the Spirit is holy. But in the context, we also learn what? If, if the equation is about good gifts, and the Father's going to give the Spirit, and the Spirit's holy, Holy Spirit is good. <laughs> he's a good. He's good. He has quality of good. He is, he is, he is good. Okay. So... Um, he is, he is a good gift, and he is going to give a good gift to, to them also. Um, okay, next one here is, um, is uh, and many of us know this, this verse here, Galatians 5.22, but let's go ahead and turn there. Um, this isn't just one uh, uh, attribute that we see, but quite a few of them. Galatians 5.22 and 23. Buddy? Of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things there is no. Okay, um, as we see here, it is the uh, whose fruit is it? The spirit's fruit. Um, he's the one doing something. It's not like as though I'm taking it upon myself and somehow acquiring love and joy. You don't see that, do you? It says the fruit of the spirit. Uh, is are these things and those people who have cr- belonged to Christ and are, have crucified the flesh uh, are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit, according to verse twenty-five and twenty-five, and walk by the Spirit. So the process of of acquiring these these attributes that are attributes of the Spirit being manifested in our lives. Um, it is the fruit that is the Spirit's fruit. That is being, He is the one um, establishing these attributes in our lives. It's not like as though the verb tense is not about, you know, I'm doing it. It's about, the, it's being done to me. Follow me? So it's not like as though I'm naturally in and of myself trying to figure out how to, how, how to uh, be kind and um, self-controlled. Um, Certainly, I have a responsibility in that endeavor to cooperate with the Spirit, but it is the Spirit of God who's doing that work. Does that make sense? And so, um, the most important of all these is love. I mean, out of that will come, will flow the rest of them. So, I I packaged it up as far as love goes, but I mean, each one of these, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I mean, these are things that are supernatural. They are not natural. 180% opposite of what I will do in my life, given no other outside you know, work uh, in my heart. I'm going to go down this road as opposed to this road. So, um, it is a work of the Spirit. most important one is unconditional love that's manifested as a result of that. Okay, next one is Romans 8.2. Life. Romans 8, 2, life. He demonstrates life. Okay, and we know from other passages that, again, according to verse 2 here, it is the spirit of life. 
um, law of the spirit of life and that the spirit is the one who implants life in us, as we're going to find out. Um, but life itself is of the spirit. He is the one who, who, who actually accomplishes and makes that happen. Literally impregnates my life and soul uh, with life. Um, okay. Last one here is Isaiah 40.13. Uh, wisdom. Wisdom probably could have been under um, personality also, but as a divine attribute, Isaiah 40, um, verse 13. Somebody want to read that? Okay. So it goes on here to talk about, you know, again, the same passage that, you know, who's consulted with him, who's taught him these things, uh, who's informed him of the way um, the nations are a drop in the bucket. Um, uh, there is nothing before him. They're non-existent, meaningless before him. Um, we look at verse 28. He says, um, Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become tired or weary, but his what? His understanding is inscrutable. It is, um, no one can fathom it. It is fully beyond reaching out in our human way to understand and trace through. Um, so uh, no one has directed the Spirit of God or, or has been his counselor. What is wisdom? Wisdom comes from him. Okay, any comments or questions about about his divine attributes? Okay, let's look at um, his work then, some of his works here. Um, first of all, we have already looked at the fact that he was involved in creation. He was involved in creation, and if you want to add in there that he is involved today, right now, in sustaining that, sustaining it. Second uh, Peter one twenty one. Let's look at that. Second Peter one twenty one. I do twenty and twenty one. Oh, this first of all, prophecy is scripture. The matter prophecy was ever okay. So. Uh, men moved by the Holy Spirit, they were the ones that spoke, quote, from God. Um, what, what is this moved by the Holy Spirit signify? How does this, how does this actually happen? Pardon me? He willed, okay, he willed and worked through men. Um, how did that, how did that like happen, take place? Okay, and what does inspired mean? on or encouraged more than that? Is it less than that? Lightened? Okay. So, with the actual information or material or... Yeah? Somebody else? Yeah? Okay. God breathed. So, breathed through His Spirit with some, some, some revelation of material that had not been known before that somehow. And through that breath or through that Spirit... Um, revelation was born into a person. So in this context, uh, it was from God, through the Spirit, and infused by the Spirit, much like breath is, into an individual. That would have been included in their um, specific words, the, the revelation, the, the, the material that would have that God wanted men to know as a result of that experience or that breathing or that writing it down. Okay? I mean, obviously, he probably somehow used their personalities somehow, right? He used probably their, 
their knowledge of things and experiences probably too. Um, okay, their giftedness maybe also, yeah. Certainly we know that um, he worked through specific men. Okay, so yeah. Um, uh, he, uh, uh, he inspires and he illuminates. Fires and he illuminates. So um, I find it fascinating. Verse 19 he says, So we have a prophetic word made more sure. What is that word? It's God's word. Okay. To which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So this idea of a lamp shining in a dark place is exactly what we're just talking about here. It's the illumination. It's the, um, you know, I always think of, uh, you know, Gestapo with the light, you know. What is your name? <laughs> you lie. No, it's, it's a light shining in a dark place, you know, in your face. It's like, you know, you, you get it. <laughs> you wake up. You got it. Okay, so that's illumination. Um, verse 20 is, is really revelation. Uh, he says, uh, no prophecy is a matter of one's own interpretation. It didn't just come from, you know what, I reached way down inside myself and I pulled it out because I had it internally all the time. Okay? It came from outside. It came from God. Okay? So, revelation it is not like mysticism or like coming up with it myself and you know figuring it out. This came from God who, through His Spirit, moved along the... the the circumstance or the situation, and that moving along was inspiration. It was God's inspiration. Yeah. You think Muhammad came up with the Quran? No, I don't. He had help. <laughs> From the other source, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Next is he generated Christ. We won't go to these verses, but um, we have looked at those in the past together. But um, he generated Christ. What does that mean? It says that the, the Spirit of God overshadowed. Um, Mary, and birthed, if you would, the Son of God. And so that, that, I mean, the language there is just incredibly powerful as to how that ever took place. I mean, you think about it, like, I mean, it's, it's I mean, only God could, like, architect that language <laughs> the way it's architected. It's really cool. Um, but it's, it's, only God could do that. And you look at that and you go, amazing how that the Spirit of God was the one who actually uh, had her conceive. And somehow that whole thing occurred. It, you know, it's beyond us, right? It was beyond natural. <clears throat> okay, next is he convicts men of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, 8. John 16, 8. John 16. And then if you would go through... Um, Verse 11 also. They do not believe in me. Righteousness because I father, and you know judgment because the ruler of this world. Okay. So when he when the when the Holy Spirit comes and what what when is he talking about this being according to the rest of John 16, verse 7 is when so when the Helper comes when is he going to come when is he going to send him to him? Okay. At Pentecost, right? Okay. Good. So at, at that time, he says, when he comes, from then on, he's going to do, he's, his role is going to be to, quote, convict the world concerning sin. What does the word convict mean? It's like you're walking in and you... Okay, okay. so it's, it's, it's going to um, put into my soul a sense of check or balance and what's right and wrong and, and into what's wrong, if it's wrong. Okay, 
Any other thoughts? Okay. So the, the judgment portion is about something that's going to come. That you know there, There's going to be an accounting for all, all that happens in this life. And he says he's going to convict people of the fact there's a coming time of rec- of, of, uh, of, of, that I'm going to have to give an account for this life. God convicts men of the judgment um, through the power of the Spirit. But this word convict is the idea of exposing. It's the idea of uh, revealing what really is there in a way that brings understanding to the situation or the, or the, or the issue at hand. So it's, a, it's the act of um, revealing what is there that maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily see it in the same light and revealing it such that I actually um, understand God's God in it or my, the problem I have with God in it. Um, does that make sense? Okay, so it's, it's the act of like uncovering or exposing something that, that uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily go there myself. Yeah. So he convicts men of sin. He convicts men of righteousness. What is the process of convicting men of righteousness? What does that mean? I mean, we know what sin is. Right. So, I mean, how how do you know how do you know sin? It's by knowing holiness, <laughs> right? And so, if we never knew holiness, we would what? Redefine sin. It would be something less than who I am, <laughs> probably. Right? It's like. Yeah, although not me. <laughs> because we, we would always put the standard someplace where I'm going to be able to reach it and be okay with that. Yeah. Or postmodern, I guess we're kind of like a yeah. church. Maybe post postmodern. Post-post, <laughs> yeah. And it says that, you know, when he comes, he's going to convict the world. A lot of the world doesn't believe they're wrong. Exactly. So, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is really. Yep. So, is there conviction? Well, the, the 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 conviction that comes before that, okay, is is the conviction coming out of Hebrews chapter twelve, which says, you know, the first step of of understanding is to realize that God is, um, that yeah. He exists, and um, yeah. So I think that's the first step in that situation. And, and oh, by the way, when He does, when I do understand He exists, it's like. Uh, everything changes. <laughs> you know, there's a different thing going on now. <laughs> there's accountability. You know, that's why I really go to a biblical worldview. I mean, it's like the first thing, you know, in a worldview is is about like, you know, where where did I come from? Answer the question, right? I mean, where did I come from? Because until you answer that question, which is Hebrews 12, you know, 1, 2, 3, is like, until you come to a place that says that God is and that He created all there is, then until that, like, revelation occurs and illumination of the revelation in my heart, then I can go to these places and it doesn't mean anything, right? Because, but now if there is a holy God, there is a holy God, it means there, everything changes. See, like Hebrews 12, like you were saying, it happens when He comes. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and it's amazing how it can change in a moment, mm-hmm. yeah. just in a second, when a person gets he is, he exists. Well, you don't have to deal with it all comes after that. <laughs> exactly. 
because otherwise that is the lie of the adversary, you know, back to the question of where did it come from. I mean, it is anything but, right? So if I can get that, if anything but. Okay, good. Um, his agent of regeneration is the Spirit of God, is the one who actually implants life. He is the one who actually makes us go from death to life as believers. He, he takes us from the realm of the kingdom of of darkness to the kingdom of light. He is the one who actually makes that transfer occur. Um, okay, he is he guides the believer in righteousness and comforts and indwells believers. Guides believers um, through the power, his power, and and causes them to be able to um, um, have the internal resources to be able to say no to sin and say yes to God in in our lives. Okay. Next one is he. He was sent by the Son to come alongside uh, the people of the church. Sent by the Son to come alongside. Uh, Jesus Christ talks about when I send this Helper, this Helper will function in a way that will come alongside us and assist us, give us strength, give us courage, give us the ability to be able to make the right decisions in our life. That's his role. He will do those things along with the things we've talked about. But he will, he will encourage us. He will be the, the great helper who's, a, who's, who's alongside us. Um, he prays for us. We've talked about that one already. And intercedes for us. Prays for us. Why does, he, why does he pray for us? It's because we don't know how. Because we don't rightly see everything in our life. Um, and gives us the ability to understand that and interpret that. Heart to God, if you would. Um, he sanctifies. Sanctifies. He is the. He is in the process of taking that regenerated hearts of of believers and like washing us up through the with the Word of God in a way that um, I'm bleaching certain areas <laughs> and 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 changing us. You know, I was um, in the back room making some copies this morning, and Don was in there with his whiteboard, and this whiteboard, Tim will know about this, is somebody wrote on it with uh, not the kind that, like, uh, permanent. permanant ones, right? And he was, like, back there, he said, you think you need to use the water? And I, I went like this and pushed, you know, it's like, no, I think this is, this, we got a problem here. So he got the agent, you know, the real good stuff, and he brought it in. Sure enough, he just, like, cleaned it up. But it was it was perfectly clean. And I said, "Okay, now do it again." Took a, a clean piece of paper, looked clean, looked beautiful, you know. And he went off and did it one more time, and it was just dirtier than anything. You couldn't see it, but it was dirtier than anything. And he said, "We both looked at each other. And said, There's an illustration here. I said, I'm going to use it first." <laughs> but but I mean, it, that's that's a spirit's job is to know what's clean look like, you know, in our life. Isn't that true? Yeah. Um, he restrains sin. Um, we know that he is the one, uh, according to um, Second Thessalonians, that he is called the restrainer of sin. And when he is taken away uh, during the uh, just before the tribulation period, everything breaks loose. I mean, it, it just uh, explodes back into anarchy and complete, you know, a spiral descent that's going to just end up in in a cataclysmic, you know, Armageddon, if you would. So he restrains sin. Uh, he baptizes believers into union with Christ. Baptizes believers into union with Christ. Um, you know, I think of 
this whole issue of unity, one body, one spirit, unified. I mean, that, that's what... If there's anything that grieves the Holy Spirit more than anything else, it is, it is a body who is selfish and, and, and uh, focused on themselves and therefore manifesting the fruit of the natural self. That's what's going to... You know, spirit more than anything else. Next one is he is the source of gifts for the service of the believer. Uh, f- turn with me to First Corinthians, <clears throat> chapter twelve, verse eleven. First Corinthians, chapter twelve, verse eleven. Will we read that? Distributing to each one as we just as he will. So again, back to his volitionary uh, attribute of personality. Um, he wills. These gifts, um, manifestations of the Spirit uh, into each one, each individual person in the body of Christ. And he is the one who, quote, according to 7, verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. And it's for the purpose of the common good or the edification or the building up of the, of, of the body in its, co- in its totality or for the profit of the, the the whole body. Um, uh, this one here was verse 13 here. He baptized us into union. So again, make a point here. We were all made to drink of one spirit. It's a spirit of God that, that actually, I think of made to drink as like, you know, taking a head and putting it in the water, like <laughs> putting it in the water. You know, it's like made to drink. Okay, we all were made to drink of one spirit. Uh, and uh, all did drink of one spirit. Okay. Um, next one, he fills believers. Uh, Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18 says, um, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, be filled with the Spirit. Um, this idea of be filled with the Spirit um, is, is not a one-time action. It is, is an ongoing being filled with the Spirit. It is an ongoing process in all of our lives that says, you know, I mean, it may, I may have to do it multiple times a day. Um, being baptized in the Spirit is one time, one forever. That makes us a part of the body. <laughs> but now, being filled with the Spirit, it's like, um, how do you be filled with the Spirit? Will you allow Him to lead? <laughs> I don't make the decisions anymore. He says, I've been what? Bought with a price. I'm not my own anymore. I have to make a conscientious decision to die to sin. But when I make those individual decisions throughout my day, throughout my week, I am doing what? I am deciding for life. And where does that life coming from? It's from the Spirit of God leading me. Because if I'm going to choose not to be the one on, on the throne and allowing the Spirit of God to be there, then He's going to be the one to take, take and run. And I'm going to be able to follow Him. Those who are what? Led by the Spirit. Those who what? Walk by the Spirit. Those are the ones who are being, quote, filled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? That's the process that He uses. Um, he, he provides the power to overcome sin. So He actually strengthens us in, inside. And if you look at a number of other passages... Um, our ability to say no to sin is directly proportional to our allowing the Spirit of God to lead in our life. Because he says that I will be able to overcome the evil one in sin. And I've been given an option 
to not sin, right? A way of escape. But the fact that I do or don't take that is, is, is going to be directly proportional to whether I'm allowing the, the Spirit of God to lead in my life. And almost the biggest problem is what? Pride. Almost invariably, right? Biggest pride. Yeah. Okay, next is he will produce fruit in the life of the obedient and submissive Christian. We talked about that fruit. Uh, joy, peace, patience, self-control, um, all those things. Um, and uh, last but not least, he is an element... Um, in the believer's assurance and eternal security. He seals every believer's salvation for eternity. So in closing, just turn over a couple pages to your left there. Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. Would somebody read those? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Also, after listening to the gospel, also believe God's own for praise of His glory. Okay, amen. So being sealed here is, is speaking of ownership and security. Okay, but he also says that he's been he gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, a down payment, a down payment in any transaction says what's coming, the full gig, <laughs> the full gig's on its bro on the way. You know, it's like it is just a down payment. Why, according to first according to Corinthians, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor has ever entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love Him. It's just a down payment. It's just, just uh, it's a dowry. It's like the real thing's coming. <laughs> the real thing's coming. What a fascinating promise we have that says, as we close our time together today, that um, uh, that 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 real thing, you know, I I I unequivocally believe is eternal life here, right now, to experience the intimacy with God and be able to have that dwell in our souls so that the fruit of the Spirit is going to be manifest in our lives. But it's also got an eternal dimension to it that is something that we may see even today. Today could be the day that um, we are forever with the Lord, and uh, His presence will be uh, the joy of that reality for eternity. Jeff, would you close us in prayer? Father God, we thank you for knowing us, Lord, more about your Amen. Have a great day.